Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Today we cover Star Trek Discovery, Season 3, Episode 4, Forget Me Not. This episode was originally recorded on March 2nd, 2021, and some parts were re-recorded. Welcome, and we are Let's Talk About Treks. My name is Earl Grey, and I am sitting here with... Who, me? Oh, I'm Jack Dorino. Hi, Jack. <laughs> Do you have a pre-show opinion on this episode? So, first, it's not a pre-show opinion, Earl. This is the show. You welcomed us. <laughs> <laughs> but prior to this episode, my favorite episode of the current leg of Star Trek was one released during the 27 weeks of Star Trek that Alex Kurtzman promised us and then proceeded on which to deliver. So this was Star Trek Picard Remembrance, the first episode, because right. it was a return home to where I'd grown up and that was glorious. Glory to you and your house. Yeah. The same emotion that Picard has when he says he doesn't want the game to end was exactly where I was <laughs> at that moment. Yeah. But I apologize. That's not what we're here to discuss. Yeah. What What are we talking about? We're here to discuss what I hope you've gleaned by now is my new favorite episode of Star Trek of all time. And all Discovery naysayers are obliterated and eviscerated by the qualitative elegance of this episode. <laughs> The thing about the newer structure of Star Trek is that typically, you know, with the vast majority of the episodes, it seems to me like if you haven't been along for the whole journey, then maybe any given episode wouldn't be that important and special because you don't have the larger context of the overall arcs to add weight to the episode. But I feel like this episode breaks that mold and is compelling and fascinating all by itself. So which episode are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 4, Forget Me Not. You know, the title for me kind of ties the greatness together you see prior to Picard releasing my favorite episode of all Star Trek had been Remember Me from season 4 of The Next Generation mm -hmm. so it's funny how all of these titles kind of relate mm -hmm. yeah. so my top spot has been occupied by Remember Me and then Remembrance and now Forget Me Not now wait a minute are you excluding TNG The Inner Light? yes Okay. yes I am see when I first saw that episode it was like a throwaway bottle episode but when they kept coming back to it was when I began to think about the significance of it. The, the Remembrance episode? No, 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 because you were talking about the inner light. Yeah, the inner light, okay. So then when they kept bringing him back to the, it was a yeah. resicant flute, right? Yeah, resicant flute. I began to understand that flute as a touch point signifying Picard's heart. Oh, I never thought of it that way. His heart? Not, not his physical heart, but like his, his passion, you know, that spark of him is intertwined with the Resican flute. Sure. Yeah. But back in the day when the episode aired, it didn't carry that same meaning for me. Yeah. To me, just there's just something going on with, with what people have dubbed new Trek. That's N-U, for some reason, Trek. And it, it's like they're, they're using all the right words, using all the right vocabulary, but they're not speaking the language they're not using the right syntax and they're not using the right grammar and they're just not they're not talking trekkies you know they're it's it's like they're using english syntax and grammar but they're trying to speak use uh spanish words to speak to a spanish a hispanic or a spanish-speaking person all right so i think what i'm hearing you say is that there's been something missing. Yeah, yeah. As if they have all the parts and pieces of Star Trek, but it's not coming together like something you know as Star Trek. Yeah. 
Now, for me, the very first scene of Star Trek yes. Discovery in season one and the moment on the bridge with the banter, like, all that was great Star Trek. Yeah. Even though it was, like, quick and funny, there was a purpose and joy, but also seriousness. But, they're, I mean, they're they're throwing the Delta at us just like, here, look, it's definitely Star Trek. Well, yeah, I mean, that sure, you got to, look, you've been gone for, <laughs> yeah, okay. like, 12 years. So, you know, you, you got to let me know that you know that I'm still here. <laughs> I, I, I've just been res- reserving myself on all of New Trek, except maybe, you know, I mean, I have a little bit of a bias for animation, so I mean, I'm, I think of the New Trek, I've been, a, I've been enjoying Lower Decks. They're, they're far enough in front of uh, TNG to be, or, you know, Voyager, I guess, that they're not headbutting up against canon. And it's far enough away from where Discovery is at in by this episode, that there's no new canon that there could possibly mess up. So it's almost feels lower decks almost feels like another form sort of of the 24th century Star Treks and the 23rd century Star Treks. Shall we get to uh, the ep- episode in 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 hand and and start watching and and commentating and reviewing the episode that we've been trying to get to for yeah let's do it we've been beating around the mulberry bush for a minute (laughs) you know this episode awakens my full love of star trek as this story unfolds i have absolutely no shame about being inspired and delighted and amazed by it and knowing which way the council's questions are supposed to be answered like armed with this trill knowledge that i gained from serving on deep space nine is like a reward like i've got insider data Mm -hmm. to you know what's happening on the screen So the episode begins with Lieutenant Stamets doing a voiceover log. So I have a question. He's looking, you know, at all the crew. He looks at the woman. She kind of nods at him. The next person is a man, and he doesn't react. But the one thing I can't see every single time is his eye, the, the eye that's closest to the wall for him. Is his eye damaged? I think maybe during the crash everyone suffered some sort of minor injury. That might be his. Okay. I I like this opening because, well, I mean, I'm biased because I always play a medical officer, but uh, the, the other thing is is we get to know this character a little bit more. We haven't we learned a, a lot about him. And then not only that, but I, I got to wondering as a role player, is is this how a – is this just a checkup or is this a full physical? Because I always thought you had to come into sick bay for a full physical. I think that a good ship's doctor or counselor would want to see how people are functioning in their natural environment to see how they are when they're not being specifically observed. Oh, okay. That's probably his best way to check on your holistic wellness. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is just giving you some role play ideas for the future if I ever get back into that. So, I mean, if you've been through a crash of the ship onto a planet, then yeah, yeah you might want to walk around yeah. and see how everyone's doing because pretty much everyone is injured, so no one has time to come down to sickbay and let someone cover for them. Mm-hmm. Also, sickbay would be full. Yep. So so what's your opinion on the uh, scan of the uh, Trill lady with the, uh, the worm there? So, first of all, that symbion is enormous. It's the biggest symbion I've ever seen in my life. Spoilers, we've already seen this episode, so we already know that she's not a Trill. Well, yeah, yeah, she's definitely human. But but Trill, the the, the humanoid Trill from Trill, <laughs> evolved with a pocket for the worm to go into. 
Oh, I see. No pockets. So, so like if you put a goldfish in a larger bowl, it's going to get bigger. Yes. So I can see how that makes sense because it was definitely annoying me until now how big that symbiote was. You know, I mean, the other thing that she, I, I accepted what she said is it's protecting her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just made sense. Plus there's, it's in her abdominal cavity. It's not in a separate pocket either. So I accepted what they were saying here. Yeah. Yeah, this explanation seems totally plausible to me. I mean, still the size seems weird to me. Like, where is it? Like, Odin made his pocket expand as the thing moves. So it seems like if it moves around too much in Adira, it could squeeze some organs in a bad way. But she doesn't really seem distended in any way. Well, I mean, the other thing is, is that uh, they're not showing her abdomen, bare abdomen. They're not going for the... Uh, alien under the skin special effects anymore yeah they've done that so many times that it, we, we we know what the worm looks like under the skin you know when it was in Riker or in in other properties uh get out your bingo cards in x files when they were doing ice and fire or whatever it was and they had the little worm under the dog's skin you know we've seen stuff like that now already so they're not gonna go for the gross out factor plus it's star trek it's it's not horror it's just drama so they're not necessarily trying to go for the gross out factor anyway this is a hanley culpepper episode by the way i've really taken a liking to her work which one is culpepper again she's the one that was tapped to open picard for those first few episodes oh okay the director sure you gotta let me know when you're talking about a a a director (sighs) or a cast member or a, a crew that is like the actor that's fair, but by <laughs> now you gotta know Hanalee Culpepper. You gotta put some respect on Hanalee Culpepper's name because she does some great work. Yeah, yeah. Like she even got Bryce to talk in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, so backing up a little bit, there's something I noticed about this episode watching it the second time that I don't think I noticed before. Okay. Back in the sick bay with the female black doctor. You mean Dr. Tracy Pollard, who is the ship's physician over Dr. Carl Burr, who okay. works obviously underneath her. Um, she's, she's wearing a, a TOS skirt. Oh, and yeah, I, a I, white one. Yeah. Yeah, though. The I like one. that a lot. I don't, I mean, do the, all the other women have pants on. You know what? Is it just a choice to wear the skirt today? I think in that era, it was an option. Like, you could wear whichever one you wanted. Okay. I very much enjoyed the greeting that we got when we arrived at Trill. It was somehow, like, coming home. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and the guy was dressed like an accolade. Well, and and I wasn't sure about how, how was the discovery able to do that though. I mean, all the other per, per people that were trying to use their three D view screens, why was it just a hologram that walked onto their bridge? Oh, so I mean, they got an upgrade. They've gotten an upgrade already. Oh, so this is a projection that came from Trill, not from the Discovery. They projected it all the way from the surface? Yeah, man. They're a thousand Um, years in the future. Okay. Yeah, I accept that. We're about to get a little kind of an odd and uh, blunt instructions from Saru, and I don't think he realizes the mountain that he's just put in front of them. Now, until he's... You know, Saru's walked away. He's given his order. He's like, I'm sure you guys will handle it. Tilly's walking over to um, engineering guy. <laughs> his <laughs> name is Dr. Paul Stamets. Stamets. 
this he's acting in a very non Star Trek, non Starfleet way. And he totally shoots her down completely. Uh, Stamets is very emotional. Yeah. And his emotions come out in a very, I, I don't want to call it narcissistic, but it can come off in that way, sort of Asperger. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he can carry on one, just like one single close relationship, and most of the rest of the people he treats like he's an authority, which he is. So I don't know if it's a function or an effect. Mm hmm. That's funny because the uh, an episode on of of a, a Star Trek review show on YouTube that I've seen talking about autism and art, autism in Star Trek. That person suggested that maybe Tilly was the hinted that maybe she was the one that might have been on the autism spectrum. So it's interesting that you went with Stamets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do work closely and well together. Yeah. Tilly though. Since she loves feeling feelings, uh-huh. um, but she's obviously yeah. highly intelligent, but also exhibits some social anxiety, like you yep. would expect. Yep, and she has some. Maybe, maybe just in that portion of the review, they were just saying that uh, they were referencing the social anxiety portion of that can sometimes affect people with autism, and she definitely gets takes things personally sometimes. Maybe more or less personally than people with autism do i mean there are times when i take things personally and i mean i was always very affected by any kind of razzing or hazing or bullying if you want to i would always take it as bullying in school so yeah yeah you know i get what that looks like also you know some people can grow a callus on that and then they don't even notice when people are coming for them Mm -hmm. yeah I really appreciate the conversation between Burnham and Culver about who should go down with Adira and mm-hmm. uh, the fact that Culver was prescribing to Burnham that she should go down with Adira because it would be good for Burnham. Oh, yeah, yeah Burnham okay. has spent all this time, you know, trying to save everybody else. So oh, it's yeah. nice that Culver can prescribe someone or a situation to try to, like, you know, heal some of Burnham's hurt. I, I like this uniform or this outfit that they put on the trail lady. Adira. Yeah, Adira. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's pretty dope. It's a Discover uniform without all, all the, the razzle dazzle. Yeah, and, and it's not like just throw a uniform on them like they did with uh, Charlie X or some of the other guest star people on TNG. Oh, 100 percent. You know, it's like what what is this person doing in a uniform without you know? I like the I like the talk about calling the uh, symbiote a squid instead of a worm or a slug. Like they yeah, so that really and truly annoyed me. I mean, every time they said it, I was screaming <laughs> at my screen for them to stop saying well, it because it comes off as rude to the symbiont that you're hosting, the sentient being yeah. that you're hosting. But then it was kind of resolved by the end of the yep. episode, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, they were doing that on yep. purpose because yep. they knew yep. I'd be bothered by it. So that they could then fix it, you know, toward the ending of the episode. Well, I mean, she's coming from a, from a perspective of kind of, she's, I, I kind of connected her a little bit with Esri. I mean, she became a symbiont well, a host. Last I mean, minute. She's, mm, in an emergency. They're definitely like a re-Esri because this is like they got a second chance at doing Esri the right he, way. She even has like a similar, uh, they even have a similar appearance. So would you, are you happy that they chose a new symbiote? Or would you have rathered if they had given us a little bit of uh, uh, fan service and used yeah. the DAC symbiote? So, no, you can't do that. Because 
so I applaud the Discovery writers this time because now they're in a new time. Okay. And now they haven't screwed up another time with canon because I have not heard of a symbiont older than 800 years. Okay. And I don't believe they live over a thousand years. Okay. So now okay. that we're in the future and don't have to mess up the canon, if the Dax symbiont were still alive, I'd be less happy if it were a symbiont that we knew because I don't think that they can live that long. Okay. I do think the symbiont could have known Dax, if that helps. Okay. So, really quickly, I had this character. It's so wild that this symbiont came up because I was waiting, really, for this one. Yeah. So the name convention for the trill is pretty simple. That three-letter, you know, like Dax, Tall, that yeah. three-letter thing, like Odo. Odo's not a symbiont. <laughs> I had a counselor on one of my ships once, on the Victory. Her name was Ketatol. Uh, she was a diminutive blonde woman so it's wild that the Tal symbiont has come back into my life in Adira it's a coincidence that I've kind of been waiting for like my life is imitated back to me by <laughs> maybe that role player that came up with the name should sue uh... yeah probably no. not absolutely <laughs> not the I think it's a I mean it's a symbiont <laughs> name like if you were to make a list of like a hundred Symbionts, I'm sure Tal would be in there somewhere. There's only so many combinations of two consonants and a vowel. Well, it's interesting that in Star Trek VI, there's a character named Dax with the freaky feet. But uh, yeah, but you know that was <laughs> Is he supposed to be a trill? Because I was like, wait. Uh, I mean, I wish it was <laughs> Dax. Because. Like, that would be really cool if that is something that happened to Dax in the past and then you can bring it up later on YouTube. <laughs> you know, this one time I was, you know. But, you know, they, they gave Howard well, the Well, but, I mean, we, we never Howard saw Dax's Duck. feet or Odan's feet, so. I bet you it was Howard Dax. <laughs> it was Howard the Dax. And How Howard, Howard the, Dax the had, Dax? Howard the Duck had to take the <laughs> Dax and beyond for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so so that's probably exactly what happened. You know, I didn't know that the Dax symbiont was hosted by Howard the Duck, but now I know <laughs> thanks to Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> season three, episode four. So uh, to to transition into shuttle, did you want to say something about the shuttle? Oh, so I don't I don't like the shuttles at all. You don't like the shuttles? I don't like them because they're not. 22nd century shuttles. You mean 23rd century yeah, yeah, century I mean, shuttles? Whichever century they come from. So they don't look like TOS shuttles? No, no, of course not. But like now they're in the right time, so now they look like they just happen <laughs> okay. to belong. Yeah. I don't know where they got them. Well, they're just black instead of gray. Black and red instead of gray. Well, yeah, I mean, but the overall shape is not TOS. Like, it's it's not a flying box. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Like why would they then go back from these shuttles to the flying boxes? Because <laughs> everything about the discovery is a prototype. You know, and, you know and... what? Whatever. But but like now they look right. They're in the right time. So now I'm pretty okay. good with the shuttles. Sure. You know, I'm okay with them now. Okay. So this is the first time we've ever seen the surface of the Trill homeworld. And do we even know if it's called Trill? We no. This is not true. Don't don't you remember when like so Dax had her Zeantara or whichever she went back to the the caves of Makala, but they never did they ever show the surface. It was always in the cave. 
Oh, fair enough. Okay, I see what you're saying. I'm talking about the the visible outside planet surface, not under the ground. Well, I mean, we may have seen it. Not very important, IMHO, because the graphics probably wouldn't have been that great anyway. Yeah, but I mean, when I heard that we were going to Trill, I was so excited about seeing specifically the caves of Makala. I was like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to go back to Trill and see the caves. And guess what it looked like when we got back there, Jack? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, it's a cave, Jack. Come on, get it together. So what, what did you think of those little flying curly fish oh dude yeah well this so this fish comes swimming along and then hops up like it's gonna catch an insect and then went flying away and i'm like what it was it was <laughs> like gormagandry like like that and and like it came out of the water and flapped off his fins get rid of the water before it went flying away that was wild gormagander yeah the f the flying so the space whale oh, okay. from magic to make this sanest man go mad. okay I'll have to rewatch that episode so I remember what you're talking about. You don't you don't remember when Harry Mudd got aboard the ship, got aboard the Starship Discovery, and he came out of like basically a, a big space whale that they mm -hmm. captured because it was an endangered species, and then out of the flying whale came Harry Mudd, and then he started killing everybody on the ship again, again, and again, and again, tried to steal the ship. Oh, okay. And and try to get the ship to the Klingons. You don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember that episode. I just don't. Remember all the details quite yet. Yeah, so that big flying creature that came flying through space was a Gormagander, mm -hmm. which is the spacefaring creature that Star Trek Discovery has now successfully retconned into existence. <laughs> well, I mean, when it comes to, you know, the big life forms that are rare, ultra rare, I mean, you can't really complain about that. They're just... Oh, I mean, there's no complaint. Like, okay. It's pretty cool. I mean, yep. especially how they I don't know they fly yep. in space but it's cool I mean it's well great. I mean they've done other spaceborne life forms yeah uh, audience let's uh, we're gonna go ahead and take a break for a few minutes and we'll be right back after these messages And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for your uh, patience. I hope you appreciated some of the uh, uh, distraction that we gave you while we were uh, on break. As exhilarated as I was to go back to Trill and see the Capes of Macala and all this about <laughs> Trill, as excited as I was yeah. for that, I was equally as, uh, what's the opposite of excited? Annoyed, mm -hmm. uh, apprehensive about reencountering Trill society and the way that it structures the provision of symbionts to the hosts and the secrecy and just like the whole like aspects of their society that keep it closed and super conservative are you know like as amazed as I am about yeah. you know the trill symbionts and the trill symbionts and how yeah. all that works I'm like equally oppositely uh, compelled by trill society uh, so I mean you, you think they're almost like a uh, a trill religious con conservative cult well, you know the part that annoys me is what appears to be like an elitism that creates an imbalance in their society when when i was living a, aboard 
DS9. You remember that? Back aboard the, the Terraknor station? And uh -huh. I learned that any trill could host a symbion. I was flummoxed and angry about the marginalization that they built into a society <laughs> that could endure with virtually the same members for eons. Yeah. It's like they're just creating a false scarcity. Well, but no, it's a true scarcity. Oh, but tell me what you mean by a conservative religious cult. I hadn't quite applied that combination of words to Trill Society, uh -huh. but tell me what you mean by that. I'm very curious. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Um, I, But it does make me wonder if, uh, given current recent situations in the world, if they were the producers of the show, this show, were using the Trill to be able to give kind of a call out to or you know a negative kind of you guys you know, this isn't right you know so are you comparing whoa hold on I, are you comparing your society to red hats red hats like people who are following the mm, like following uh, how do i do this <laughs> q and i you're right you're right this is a very this is a very like <laughs> tricky conversation i do get what you're saying okay so uh <laughs> that's interesting uh so are you so so people who who blindly follow what the people who have the most power say mm -hmm. without question and mm -hmm. have been led down a rabbit hole i don't think i'm saying that i'm thinking the producers and, of yeah, the yeah, show that's, what, that's what i'm saying so like misbelief and false information and using yeah. that society as a mirror to um, um so okay so i'm comfortable mm -hmm. with, with the idea that so trail society is based around a big QAnon, right like they QAnon on <laughs> this information big, big and now everybody follows the QAnon information because yeah, yeah. that's what they've been told and that's what they believe. Yeah, yeah. And it's not their fault. It's just like the only truth that they have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is well, super interesting. I hadn't thought. Yeah, like so. Star Trek does do a big thing about like doing parallels. I mean, I, I, I think I think that the the scarcity of the symbiont is a real thing. There. No, it's not. No, it's false. Well, they told us that. Okay, the scarcity, but not not the. I, I not think the I think what the falsehood is is that not everybody, the falsehood is right. that not everybody right. can take a trill. Where the truth is viable. that everybody can yeah. take a trill. Thank you for correcting me on that because that definitely is. So the false scarcity yeah. is the fact that people, the humanoid trill, cannot. That's the scarcity. Is the the. Yeah, the viability. The viability of, of, of being able to take the the symbiont yeah but that's yeah then that's a big QAnon around that tale they can spin a whole lore about the symbionts and thus control the entire society yeah 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 that's really incredible Just, and that is like yeah. yeah one thing that I think that I would have liked to seen in this episode is the Odan forehead trill because they established yeah. in DS9 <clears throat> that this yeah. is a huh? kind of like a dual race kind of thing but the other sure. thing I was just realizing is this the first time we've seen a African, well, a, a dark-skinned trill? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm not calling it out uh, as a negative thing. I, I. No, I, I, yeah, I'm delighted by it. Like I'm, I, I'm not. Well, uh, once upon a time, I would have been delighted by it. Now I'm like, yeah, you better. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you, every planet we go to, yeah, unless it's like a really cold planet, you better have some 
Um, yeah. Well, and the I'm editing myself this episode. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> <laughs> but we better be there. <laughs> well, and there's there's four people that I can see on screen right now, and two of them appear to be um, have two cro- X chromosomes, and p- two of them appear to have one Y chromosome and one. Okay, yeah. So let's let's get into that. So uh, so there's a there I learned. Uh, I learned uh, from either StarTrek.com or from uh, some other media news outlet yeah. that Star Trek had cast its first uh, transgender actor. Okay. And I was, and and the article discussed uh, the the trail species. I was first entranced by the idea that not only are trill transgender. The trill symbionts, I guess. Uh, you know, the, the life cycles that lead that you can consider that a, a life of trans of transgender, like because you potentially can change gender. I get how that yeah, how people yeah. can identify how transgender people might be able to identify yeah. with that process. Yeah. Um, I'm also was amused and relieved and proud of the Klingon species because the Klingon race because when General Martok met uh, Dax, it, he he referred he was like, oh, you're my you know my old little friend cards on Dax, you know, and then she was like, "Well, now, now it's you know, um, Jazia Dax," and he was like, "Oh, my old friend Jazia Dax." You know, it was just like a quick switch. It's not like, "Oh my God, you're a totally new person." Yeah, it's oh, you're my friend. You're like, you yeah, just yeah. change genders. Like, it's cool. Like, yeah. like so, I was very, I was very impressed with him for that. Mm-hmm. It it called to mind a question about is that the same way that Cisco's being when he's calling her old man because it's just like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, so oh, it's, instead it's, of giving that I, look like, well, why the yeah. hell would you cut off your dick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. side eye there. Um, I um, <laughs> yeah, it seems that way, right? Yeah. Like, but I do, I do very much. I do very much like um the the greeting that they that they had. Yeah. Well, well I'm sorry. Did I say General Martok? Because I don't think it was Martok. Uh, I think it was Kang, Kang and Core actually. Yeah, it might have been Kang and Core. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Martok yeah. knew Dax. Oh, my old friend Dax. My old friend Curzon. Oh, oh, my old friend Jessica. Like that was that was <laughs> yeah. just a really. I like that really was like yeah. I was so yeah. proud. I was like, oh, he gets it. Like it's just yeah. the same person. Like get over it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so when I read the article, I learned that there was a transgender actor, right? And I sure. thought <clears throat> I was trying. I was. I thought that we were talking about the actor who plays Adira Tal. Okay, and I was trying to figure out. Okay, is because she's. Uh, I'm sorry. <sighs> They're presented very in a very um, ambiguous societally in a yeah in a, in, a, in a societally gender ambiguous way, and mm-hmm. the hair the haircut it yeah. is indicative of that, and just the general. Just the general actor, because I don't, I don't want to like make a mistake and say anything negative about this actor because this actor is gorgeous. <clears throat> Being younger, you know, there are there there appear to be less. Uh, there's less obvious gender traits, you okay. know, in, in in you know presented, and that I don't know if that's CGI or what, but you know, that's sure. that's the, the way it appears to me. Um, so yeah. I I had thought that that we were talking about that actor, and let me tell you that when I realized. That the transgender actor is the former host, Gray Tile, whose actor was born female. It blew my mind. Which former host? The the former host that Adira was in love with. The one. Okay, Gray the cellist. Tal. Yes, Gray Tile 
who uh. transferred Tal from Tal to Adira, and yeah. they were in love, and that was her boyfriend. Well, I, I kind of guessed it when. Who was, I had no I, and it and it really doesn't matter, but yeah, um, like I don't know, I don't know if I was impressed or if I was just like, I, I don't know, it, it was I was amazed and mm-hmm. like in pure belief I was like wow you are doing your you you have reached your it, it appears to me that you have reached your your who you are because that's mm-hmm. really who you are I um I have a job where I've worked around around uh, uh, with a lot around and with a lot of transgender individuals um sure. and outreach and and um harm reduction harm reductive care for um for uh, largely for transgender individuals, um, and I've seen some transgender and, and transgender uh, people who I w- wouldn't have ever known that they were transgender had they not told me. Yeah. And then I've met some who are like, "Girl, what are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> well, they they might be well, in, in thought, but, less you know, further like, along in their in their <clears throat> transition. Sure. Um, and there are some who transition one way and then transition back because they're just really uncertain. Uh, oh, but, I didn't know that. you know, like, of course, it being Hollywood is where you're going to find somebody who's so like there's also there's also a youth component to it um, that I know, like the the a society that it would would be that that would present itself like, you know, the show society does, you know, like that religious conservative type, like they might be like. Uh, totally against you know an individual such as that it's it's strange that that's that society <clears throat> but uh but yeah so apparently the actor who played i believe the name is mm, i don't want to get the name wrong but i believe it's blue del barrio that plays adirato mm-hmm. um i am not sure of their names uh so i'm going to continue talking and pretend as if i <laughs> I'm not looking Didn't it up forget right now. their names at all. <laughs> so Ian Alexander is uh, plays the character Grey Tall. Okay. And um, Blue Del Barrio plays the character Adira Tall. Okay. Um, I am enamored with the character Adira Tall. They're both very attractive people. Um, I so like. So a hundred percent, absolutely hundred percent. Yeah. The sentence is that Alexander is transgender, non-binary, non-binary, and transmasculine, using he/him or they/them pronouns. Okay. And the promotional materials for Star Trek Discovery state that Gray is transgender, like him. Okay. How, how so, do you spell that? What What was that word? Spell what? Did you say him? Him. <laughs> so like H E M. Is this an accent? Are you are you fucking with my accent? <laughs> no. Him. H I M. Oh okay. Him. Yeah. Oh, but that is an interesting. That would be an interesting pronoun. But like. Yeah. Why? Like why other? Because that like different pronouns tend to other. I think, Just cr- you know? create a totally new pronoun. Yeah, like all that Peter David, right? So we've re- <laughs> so we've surpassed Peter David, and now we have him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Instead of Sahi and. He- here uh-huh. yeah I, I, I totally <laughs> like uh, Peter David's version Peter David's version is kind of like comic booky which is like kind of Peter David's stuff well yeah and is and it works best in text and that's I why I use it and prefer it when mm-hmm. I'm doing my role playing because you can see 
the difference instead of having to know how to pronounce it like my sibling talks about they say you know they don't read the words they see the symbols together that creates the one symbol that is that thing and I, sure, it doesn't matter how you read it or pronounce it you just look at it and recognize oh that's the word that means neither male nor female yeah you know yeah got you and and people confront me about the pronouns that my characters use all the time and i'm like it doesn't matter and and you just do it you just you know and i don't know why they're so hard to distinguish which one to use when what do you mean well so the pronouns that my character uses when there are uh other gendered is spelled s slash h e uh-huh. And then the other pronoun is H I R, a combination sure, so of the, him and her. Sure, that's the Peter David way. Yeah, the Peter David way. Well, but they're not. Are they transgender or are they? What is it? Today in the uh, PC way is intersexed. Yes, that one. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Sometimes there are there are words that you can say mm-hmm. in a certain progression that might sound uh, that might come off yeah. um, as offensive yeah. to people, and it's it's I think. To me, it's very important to like to honor what people what people identify as. Yeah. Um. And and to not like ridicule the idea that they are that no matter what because that's that's their decision. That's their choice. That's who they are. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's what that's what I mean to say. Like, that's who they are. It may not even it's like likely not even a choice. It seem it may seem like a choice, but it's 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 just who they are. Yeah, you know, people just, who are, yeah, are who exactly, they are. Exactly. I mean, I can't change 100%. being gay if I wanted to. Yeah, I, I mean, I me, I've tried. Oftentimes, I'd encounter people that would switch around the H I R with the S slash he, sure. and so they would say it would be like uh, saying him is a Borg instead of he is a Borg or she is a Borg you know huh? and it's like dude can't, how how do you switch them around oh again? like they weren't using the right pronoun at the right time yeah they weren't using the they right pronoun using, okay, at the right time yeah her um, so when you first when you originally said that I thought you were saying that like the character changed gender like no, 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 and you no uh, that, this makes much more sense. I apologize, and to our good. family at home, I apologize <laughs> to you as well. <laughs> so moving along, so I'm I'm also in addition to the uh, the one lady trail just off the screen from my shot. What I'm seeing where I paused is it looks like there's not only the the other person in red, they're of um, southern Central Asian descent. Yeah, so there are there are um, there's good representation yeah, I mean, on the planet trail, and yeah. it's and they're very much uh, so they're at least the at least the head of the government is uh, is is representational. That's, yeah. that's very helpful for society. It's strange that all of them have bought into and sold the old trail QAnon. And 
and we are discussing the scene where they've just arrived and they're talking to the council. We're meeting the leaders of Chill Society, half red, half yellow, and and white in the middle, who happens to be black, also. <laughs> yeah, no irony there. I don't I'm sure there was nothing intended by that. Are you on side red or side yellow? So far, only two people out of each team have talked, but the Caucasian Trill and the Red, I'm kind of with him. I and mean, we, we need to think about how do we preserve our species and our way of life and looking forward to the future. So funny, that's like, so now we've touched right back on the idea that the Klingons were working with in season one of Star Trek Discovery. Okay. In light of new things that are existing, how do we, you know, remain Trill? Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me a little bit of when Captain Archer in Enterprise first meets Crewman Daniels and he says, are you human? And he's like, more or less. Because they've all blended so much together by, you know, the time they get to his timeline. Sure. Where's, uh, when rather is Daniels from? From when is Daniels, I guess? I don't remember if he ever gave a Terran calendar date. Oh. But roughly in the 30-somethings. 30, 31, 32. I don't remember exactly. What if I prove to you that you should never have watched Enterprise in the first place? What do I get? I get. I also get three chances to prove that to you. <laughs> what, what would you get? Because I can't unwatch it. I. You could unwatch it. You could. You could absolutely unwatch it. You All you have to do is have Beverly come by with the little wavy thing, right? And she'll wave it over your skull and you will never have watched Enterprise. You're like... Beverly's really bad at memory memory erasure. I forgot. Pulaski has to do it. Why is she bad at it? I don't remember, but like, or was it the other way around? One of I just know one of them was really bad at erasing memories. <laughs> There's a whole council standing there, right? The whole quorum of twelve from Trill, right? And they go, "Oh, I thought you were bringing a symbiont and a host." And she's like, "Oh, it, right over here." And they look at uh, a deer and they're like, "Oh." Everybody like everybody kind of like kind of like tips their toe in the dirt and like looks down and like starts whistling. Uh, there, are you going to tell everybody that like humans can host a channel? Can you? Like, well, and they they claim there hasn't been another non-trill host in two thousand years. They did say two thousand. Well, he said successful. So Odin was not successful. Odin nearly killed uh, Riker. So why did this guy start to lead them towards somewhere that's not the shuttle? And did they just now figure it out, or she was she like restraining herself until Adira I, showed some concern? Yeah, so I think that she was really just waiting to see what was what was going to happen. These uh, security guards look almost wrong. Don't they though? They really do. Like even the the weapons even remind me like that. Yeah. So I don't know mm-hmm. what that whole connection is about, but I wonder if there is a connection now that you mention it. Because there was a Romulan diaspora that happened. Diaspora? Yeah, like the Romulans, when the star thing happened and Picard, uh, uh, there's, so I can't, I can't talk about the subject anymore because I'm going to spoil it, spoil it, spoil it for you. <laughs> for um, me? Yeah, 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 for you specifically. Not our audience, because you know, our audience, yeah, we don't care own. about you. I mean, the audience has probably already seen the entire <laughs> season. Uh, if you haven't, then bully on you for listening to our show between episodes. It's dope. Yeah, um, this is your next, your new spoiler warning. Yeah, yeah, well, this is not, I'm not spoiling anything. I don't want to spoil anything for the rest of the season. Um, but, you know, anything before now is uh, is fair game, IMHO. Yeah, uh, so so do me a favor, um, Earl, 
and uh, and and listener, dear listener, sure. don't uh, don't don't read the episode titles, the upcoming episode titles, because it'll it'll ruin it for you. Now you're gonna be thinking about nothing but reading all of the episode titles. Anyway, <laughs> um, so this guy in the yellow that's confronting Michael after the the Romulans with the uh, Klingon spears show up, sure, the Klingon shocky spears um, show up. And uh, I wonder if he's sort of conspiring with the other guy that's the Caucasian guy that was talking about thinking about his future. I don't think he's Caucasian. Well, the guy in red. Okay. The only team red that said anything. Sure. The human actor to me looks Caucasian. You know, do you think they're conspiring together, but trying to conspire in a way that to make it look good to anybody else? I do not think that. You do not think that. You no. really think that he's just trying to lead them into a trap so he can kill them and take the trill and yes, one hundred percent the symbiote. Yeah, and and I think that the okay. guy in red knows what that guy's planning to do, and that's why he goes and sees if he can like help out in any way. Okay. So these weapons here, though, I'm th- I'm seeing, um, you know, I'm thinking Klingon pain stick mixed with some sort of uh, uh-huh. can opener Klingon style. <laughs> Uh, spear. It's that. It's um, that thing from. Uh, it's that thing from. Uh, from uh, what was that? With uh, what was the one where they get kept getting like sucked out of the ship in, in the middle of the night? It's the scissors that the guy that like Worf ended up. Oh spearing. yeah, yeah, the scissors <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and schism. Schisms. Thank you. That's I a, played again, by the way. That's a scariest show. It is a part of her. And Michael's probably a choice. badass. I'm for, making it my choice. You know, with yeah, yeah. If you're like standing up to dude. Ooh, those, those scissor things are rough. Man. Like, this is not Starfleet, and I'm like, and Michael's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. But in this moment, so I gotta tell you, the uh, the weaponry uh, that she has is phenomenal. Like, I know that it's like the super old style, but the old style looks good. Like right here. Well, I mean, it's a new made hand model for made in 2020 instead of made in 1960. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. So my question is, do you think the original Disco AI and the post, you know, the post-singularity event uh, sphere AI are fighting to, like, to coexist? No, no, I think they've merged. I think the sphere data has, have, has upgraded the Discovery's computer. And in turn, okay. the Discovery's computer has access to the sphere data. So then why why do they flash this little scene? And I paused it right at the right moment on the screen turning around. Everything else is an overlay. Like the little the red part, that's the real computer. And like the the blue part is just like an overlay that Starfleet has in there. You know what I'm saying? Like now now okay. now like, she's the core of the computer and she has like programs or overlay. Yeah, but that the voices kind of fluctuate back and forth from each other, so it's like um the voices are fighting with each other. Mm, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they do kind of. The computer voice fights with the sphere voice. Yeah, I think that I still think that they're kind of merging. I think it's like as they're merging is how I kind of feel about that. I don't know. I I I just why why do I think that this isn't over yet? <laughs> well, we haven't really addressed it even yet, for real. That's what I'm saying. They, they yeah. kind of did this creepy thing, and I'm like, they're. This isn't over yet. I think there's going to be. Well, it's not. It's not the first time, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. No. No, it happened once before. No, it didn't. I. It did. In uh, this timeline. Uh. Or was it? Or was it because I was thinking of Zora from, 
I was looking for Zora to pop up. Is probably what it was. That's one of the things about this. That's one of the great things about this episode is that this is like this is when Zora pops up, and Zora is the computer um, uh, of the discovery from uh, what I believe is a thousand years in the future on the Star Trek Discovery short track Calypso, featuring Aldous Hodge. Um, the caves of Makala were somehow uh-huh. like a good, uh, like a good welcome home. Like I was like very like it gave me a smile to like be at the caves of Makala again. Like it's a great place to be. I I just think there's gonna be like a, you know, a, count, a little mini council war in in the com- within the computer systems of the uh, Discovery. Oh, I don't think so. You know? No, I don't think so. No, PS- I don't think so at all. PS- PS2 fighting with PS3. No, no, I just think it's gonna no, no, no. I think they're just gonna merge. No, because like the the discovery, the the sphere data is so far advanced. This isn't over yeah. yet. I know it's not over yet, but like the way it's not over yet is that we're gonna get the story. <laughs> we're gonna get the story where where um where Zora um uh, tries not to follow directions, right? And something bad happens because Zora believes that she's supposed to do X, Y, Z, right? So she countermands someone's orders, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, something bad happens because of it. And then we have, she has to be like somehow like, quote unquote, disciplined and like told like, you have mm-hmm. to fucking do, like, please, like, just, just be with us. Don't be against us. Please follow orders. You know, like that kind of story. That yeah, That's yeah. the story that's going to happen. Okay. I don't think it's the story like within the computer. I think it's like the story actually versus probably guess who. So you're getting a little bit into spoilery, but maybe I asked. No, asked, no, no, I'm not getting spoilery. This is not something that's happened. This is something I'm imagining happening. Oh, so this is, I mean, okay. I, I will, I will give you this one small, small spoiler, and that, like, basically, like, for the most part, like, for the for the part that matters, um, like the the, there's been no, by the end of the season, there's been no delving into what is happening with the computer. Like no one's okay. really questioned it. It's. It's well, continu- I mean, we're, we're, we still got season four through seven to tackle it. Exactly. Like, it's continued, but no one's, like, really addressed it. <laughs> the way, I mean, my speculation, I'm speculating right now, mm-hmm. knowing that I've seen the short tracks, mm-hmm. um, maybe they get so afraid of the computer that they they trick Abandoned her and they somewhere. leave her there. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, just abandon her and say... Oh, wow, that could be the outcome of... You know, convince her that they're going to come back and say, just hold oh, position man. right here. Oh, you know, wow. Oh, wow. Like, like we're, we're, we're oh. abandoning... <laughs> oh, that's wild as shit. She's going to be mad as shit. I mean, she wasn't mad when she saw Kraft, though. <laughs> well, she's he not going to realize. She, he wasn't she Trace, though. She doesn't realize it, because obviously she just sat there. She trusts them. Hmm. Okay, but why then? Why would they make her have to sit there? Be, t- just so that she, kn- they know that she won't come after them, and or so that you know they know that the sphere sphere data is safe, but sh- it won't threaten anybody else. Just leave it there. You could be there like as a like, secret secret weapon, just in case, like constantly upgrading itself. When she's talking to um, Funny Face, she knows damn well it's been a thousand years that there's not likely at all that any of the other crew has survived. Unless they time travel somehow, or right. maybe she knows that they're going to be time traveling, or right. they say they're going to be time traveling. Right. See, that's what I was wondering while I was watching the episode: whether she's going to like be sitting there, and someone's just going to boom, like pop into place aboard her, having done a little time travel thing. <laughs> yeah, that, I just thought that this that, that whole little bit there was uh, with Saru was eerie. This happens in Futurama, and. 
the computer kind of that computer kind of goes a little how on the Futurama crew. Yeah, I yeah I think that the, what we're hearing is just like yeah I, I don't think it's a warring between the two computers because I think I think if it were that and we were to expect that that they would be talking to each other, not like in the same with the oh same. the computers themselves yeah, yeah yeah I think they'd be talking to each other like they're talking like with the same purpose. Uh-huh. I know exactly where uh, Booker Book uh, stores his cat food on this ship. My friend has the exact same thing that stores his that he stores his dog food in. He got it from PetSmart. It's exactly the same prop. I swear to God. I thought it was gonna be like really bad dad (laughs) joke, but the fact that the design of pet food storage hasn't changed in thousand years is hilarious. (laughs) Or in our case, should it be fourteen hundred years? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, it hasn't changed since Egyptian times. <laughs> they didn't have plastic back in the Egyptian times. Oh, you don't know that. Or at least the ancient aliens didn't leave any plastic for them to have. Right, exactly, Buster Keaton. Told you Buster Keaton twice, I don't know why. <laughs> or maybe they totally banned plastic after they realized how uh, the, the ancient aliens banned plastic in their society after they realized how evil it is. Dude, everything is microbeads. Just as I was taking a drink of my beverage, my non-adult beverage. That means that neither one of us uh, is really a drink. Do you like drink alcohol like at all? Once in a blue moon. Yeah, yeah, that's me too. And it's usually not a blue Maybe moon. Once in two blue moons. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, like rare. It's extremely rare for me as well. But I don't do any other restricted substances. So alcohol is more widely legal, but marijuana is a hundred times safer. Over, uh, over some alcohol <laughs> that's gonna make you smile and, and cry at Star Trek. That's Nobody, <laughs> whether you're under the influence of alcohol or under the influence of marijuana, I don't think either of those people should be driving them. I mean, why? Because the marijuana smoker is gonna be driving in the right lane at five miles per hour. That's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I have my opinion. I guess I just have my opinion. Well, there you go. I mean, I always want to examine my opinions and figure out whether they're like, well, does this make sense or is not? Like, I don't know. But like, I get like the idea of like yeah, uh, I mean, a sober person driving is different than a person under the influence of anything at all driving. I get it. There's a reason they changed the name of driving uh, while intoxicated to driving under the influence because they can cover under the influence of sleep, under the influence of I have to pee really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, under the influence of I'm yeah, really, I'm really on. late and this is my third strike and I'm going to get fired today. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. Emotional duress. Don't drive angry. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're about to enter the dinner. The emperor, you know, here is uh, she's kind of calling out the show. The show, like in this moment, is trying to build like some emotion that I don't think it's really <laughs> yeah. the other thing is is a Terran and not a human so self-centered and so self-righteous she's scheming and conniving here and it's like she's only here because she thinks there's something in it for her oh of course and what is she planning she's not even here on purpose though and don't forget Mike Burnham brought her here she didn't want to be here but where else she, is she going to go besides Discovery? I wouldn't say. How did Burnham bring her here? She grabbed her from the Mirror Universe and had her transport back with her. 
to the Discovery, and then when Discovery came back to the to the Mirror Universe, she stole okay. her from the Mirror Universe. She didn't come here on purpose. She came to the future on purpose. Oh, okay, fair enough. Question. I'm not sure what her in-game on that is. I, I don't know if she has one. I think that she's maybe just staying aboard Discovery because she knows that she's safe, and she wants to stay, maybe she wants to stay with Michael, you know? It's like she lost a daughter and she crossed the universe to stay with her. Yeah, okay. But I, I just think there she's she's there'll, there'll be something where she come where where she's up to something and it's gonna come to fruition eventually. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon. Well, soon there's gonna be an entire television show that's wrapped around Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> it's based on Section Thirty One. So I imagine that's what we're building. That is, that is it is that toward <laughs> which we are building. Mm, okay. He's got a pool cleaner, random off-the-shelf pool cleaner. <laughs> he's actually just, he's, he's the testing the pH balance mm. of his pool. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. No. Um, although, like, okay, so those robes are definitely not her style, just like she said, but they are exactly Jadzia Dax's <laughs> style, and exactly Ezra Dax's style. Like, that's the Dax style of changing your symbiont. Like, that is the exact thing. Like, I wouldn't doubt if that's the exact one that Jadzia Dax wore last time she was in the pool. <laughs> that would be cool. So it's the ones that Esri wore. Right. Well, yeah. They're, yeah, because they're, they're clearly like, yeah, they're the same size for sure. So what's the magic eight ball for? <laughs> I guess we're going to find out. I didn't know Trill eight balls are like silver and gold or something. Look, looks like they took a, a model of the old Exocomps and repurposed it as something. As an eight ball. Okay, so watching the scene, I had no idea that she, when she submerged, she was gonna like disappear from view. Like I was concerned about what was gonna happen. Maybe they would like electrocute her and like kick her out. But then when her eyes went white, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they, they, they uh, did the uh, whole storm eyes thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Also, Bat Batwoman does that with her eyeballs too. <laughs> so uh, Batwoman, you had Batwoman on your bingo. But yeah, it's on the CW. Oh, okay. Isn't, wouldn't that just be the white lenses of, of the mask? Yeah. Well, no, it, they're not. They're not all the time. Like she turns, she turns them off and on. Oh, okay. Does Batwoman in the CW have any powers? Uh, I don't think. No, no, no. She's <clears throat> got a suit, just like Batgirl. I mean, Bat, Batboy, Batman. It's all, it's all suit-based stuff. Oh, we're done with the caves. We're back at the uh, dinner. Yeah. So I really like the whole haiku scene, and I really like. I think yeah. we should. We should. Can you? Do you know how to make haikus? Sort of. I struggle with it. I mean, if I sat down and thought about making one, I could probably do one. It's silly, um, silly. in, in uh, Federation Standard. It's syllabatic, Lebic, or yeah, whatever yeah. that word is. And it's uh, seven, uh, five seven five. Yeah, yeah, on the syllabic scale. Yeah. And the number of syllables in the line. Yeah. It yeah. works better, you know, writing it and then reading it, but. I guess it's supposed to be like a Japanese style of poetry, originally. And it usually like tells like a little tiny mm -hmm. story, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's okay to split your sentence. Mm, yeah, yeah. So sort of. You, you can split the sentence. syllables. You can you can split a sentence, but you can't split a clause. That seems. I think there's poetic so license uh, there not to be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, here's cyborg lady, going freaking out about Stamets. Oh my plot. god, she's not a cyborg. Yeah, she is. She's not a cyborg. There are no cyborgs. She's not a Borg, but she's oh definitely a cyborg. No, she's just in. She's just got an augmentation. 
which is basically like yeah, prosthetic something because like something's damaged. That's not a those cyborg. are cybernetic. Okay, implants. so you're telling me that people who have um, uh, fake legs are cyborgs. Those are electronic robotic implants. Yes, because the whole left side of her skull got crushed during the Battle of Binary Stars. That's why she has to. That's why she had to have her eye replaced. Yeah. So that's but, prosthetic. That's not. She's not a cyborg. She's got a prosthetic. It's more advanced than a prosthetic. Not in her time. I don't know. I mean, I don't think she would like you to call her a cyborg lady. Because mm -hmm. Arian, Arian probably wouldn't call her a cyborg lady. So what's her name? Her name is Lieutenant Kayla Detmer, and she's the flight controller. Lieutenant Kayla Detmer. Kayla with an E Y L A. Kayla Detmer. D E T M E R. Okay, I made a note of it. She's still cyborg. So how about Saru and the bridge crew had dinner with Emperor Giorgio. Oh, that was five, five, five. Damn it. <laughs> there's no, I don't think there's anything saying that it has to be only three lines. You could do two groups of three lines as long as you keep the pattern up. Okay. So it would be five, five, seven, five. Yeah. That's and then five, seven, five. Yeah, I understand. You know, well, I have to add two more words, two more, two more syllables, but it would be like a falsy. We'll move your syllables around. We'll see. We'll see if we can each make a haiku like every episode, and then like at the end of this, at the end of the season, <laughs> we'll ask our listeners to give us to vote which, which or we'll, we'll ask like every episode. Can you just let us know like who had the best one, and then we'll tally points at the end. We'll, we'll tally points at the end of the season and figure out who won the haiku contest. How about that? I'd have to think of something to say. That's the hardest part is thinking of something to say and then getting it divided up by syllable. Does this, the, does the uh, haiku have to be uh, discovery related? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It has to be like this episode related. Like, um, uh, let's see. Klingons mm. have two dicks. This is what I learned from last year on discovery. <laughs> I have too many syllables. <laughs> Damn, I messed it up. <laughs> you almost wonder if she uh, heard about from Tilly about the, his little spat with Tilly. I don't think this is. It's a poem. It's uncalled. I don't think this is. He's a joke. Uh, <laughs> she's totally he's kicking his ass. This is definitely like a okay. typical family yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, just like somebody said something that they didn't mean to say. Somebody takes it the way they shouldn't have taken it. <laughs> and somebody just like blows up because everybody's all stressed out because everybody's got to get together and they don't usually get together and it's, it's all a whole big thing because everybody doesn't get along with everybody else really so like everybody just usually sticks to the people that they get along with and then you like try to cross the streams and shit the ghostbusters explode or whatever are you talking about an actual real experience that you actually had no no Yes, and oh my gosh, I flew us into the future. I landed the ship. I landed Discovery. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just joking. Do you think that they picked this act actress to look like the actress that played Esri Dax on purpose so that you, know, you could make a connection? So, funny thing, she looks actually more like uh, the one, for the security officer from the Enterprise. The one I think like Riker took out on a date once. Because of the spiky hair. Tracy, uh, what is her name? Tracy, uh, 
write me a letter and slap me for not remembering this woman's name. Her name is uh I don't remember that. That was in in the show or in a movie? No, no, no. She was in like she was in a lot of the episodes of Star Trek the Next Generation Star Trek the Next Generation. Oh, Tracy Lee Cuoco was her name. She was a stunt she was a stunt um she was a stunt person. And she was in like a whole bunch of episodes as a security officer. And there's a blooper, um, it was part of a blooper reel from maybe season four or five where uh, uh, Jonathan Brakes chases her back around a corner. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I think I'm Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Uh, I think I follow her on Twitter. But yeah, Tracy Lee Cuoco is oh. who she reminds me of actually the most. Although I do get the size and the, stalker on tw- like, Twitter. Yeah, 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 I'm following her on uh, on the Sweetbox. I don't think the globe cracking is an indication of the, her levels dropping. Girl, you know, you can't just jump in there and be like, She's oh, something's wrong. I'm going to jump in there. Not only that, but everybody knows you don't jump in, dive in on the deep end or on the shallow end. Nobody ever has. You... And I, I'm really shocked, actually, they let her just climb on in there. Like, I thought that was very, very strange. Yeah. There, I mean, you, you got to wonder if there is some sort of hygiene standard for why they put those robes on to protect the trill that are living in there. You would think. Like, that's what I thought that was for. It, it appears now that maybe it, they serve some sort of more religious purpose, I think. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is they, they think this is an emergency, so... What do the factions um, mean? Like, do you think the reds are joined and the yellows are unjoined and the white is a mediator between them? Or something mm, like that? Mm. I wonder, yeah. So this, this like scene the, right here... Like, the reds were joined... Totally reminded me of the abyss. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to... It's okay, I did like the way... your... Uh, I did like the way the tendrils came up. And uh, and and we're we're yeah. demanding to touch uh, Re Esri. Yeah. Like this scene is incredible. The way like everything's just flowing yeah. around and like it's like it actually looks like it actually looks to me like a giant egg with you know at the beginning like a giant egg with a bunch of sperm floating around but less like graphic than it sounds you know <laughs> like let's see kind of idea oh i see it. what kind of okay i know yeah. i know what it's kind of egg yeah and it just means like the beginning of life right so like it's just all these sure. tendrils coming together to like you know just make her whole it's so cool it's like it's like she's in the middle of like a neural network it's like all the little tendrils yeah, yeah. of your nervous system are trying to like attach to yeah. Synapses attached to each other like properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different like synapses of like two different brains, two different life forms like coming together into one. That's really wild. Like it's really good representation. So what do you think, think she's tripping out about this though? Oh, she's got a trauma. She's got a trauma that she doesn't want to deal with. That's what she's oh, going that's on right. about. Yeah. Yeah. You're and right. she doesn't know that she she doesn't know she wasn't she doesn't realize that she has a trauma. Well, she knows there's a trauma, I think, but she she hasn't faced it. She figures as long as she doesn't face it, then she doesn't really have to like go through it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, so it's protecting her, right? The symbiote is protecting her, and the way it's part of the yeah. way it's doing that is by not letting her, you know, lose her mind over what just happened. Because what just happened is the it's bizarre, like she had to take on her yeah. boyfriend dies and then she has to take on his his like his the spark of his soul like that's really crazy 
Blood. Mm -hmm. are, are, are we using gender specific language now? She called him her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah and, okay. and at this time she also called herself a she. But mm -hmm. later they, they may correct you. Mm. Likely after the joining part. Yeah, the one thing I didn't couldn't figure out earlier on was uh, she's a human, so she probably has a surname, but she's only using her given name. Yeah, yeah, because she only knows that she's anything anything further Why back, anything further back from her joining, she's been blocked away from. She doesn't know anything beyond before that. So she doesn't even remember her own family surname. I don't believe Earth. so because you know she was on a generation ship. Oh. The generation ship apparently reached Earth at some point because she came from the Earth Defense Force. So I don't know where from like I don't know from where they could have come, but they were near the end of their journey, like they were almost there, and then this whole tragedy happened. So like there's probably not even that much to remember having lived aboard a generation ship. I mean I can't imagine there's much to do beyond hang out with Gray. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Or sleep. Or teach yourself how to quilt. I mean, wouldn't a generate? Oh, it's a generation ship. They're not doing. Um, no, they're not stopping anywhere until they get there. Either. Yeah. The uh, I I was a little bit um, a little bit uh, I mean by the uh, by the same familiar forehead glow that that Booker had. The music. Once I heard that music, I was like, oh my gosh, this music is something important that is going to be through the whole season because i did recognize hearing it once before i i would be interested to know if it's an actual if it was written for the episode or if it uh, was I written if it's, it's actually a classical piece from yeah no, i think it's jeff russo's has has composed it mm, okay the jeff's russo's Jeff Russo's? Yeah, the com the composer. For the episode. For this series. That's what I said. Didn't you hear me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this, these these quarters are awful Spartan, but I'm guessing that they're only showing what she the details that she remembers. I don't think they're in anybody's quarters. I think they're hanging out in like a common area. Okay. Until the light hit it right, I didn't realize she had or he they had blue hair. Oh really? I think I saw yeah. it from the first scene, but it's it's really like well done. The dye job, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good to know that anime culture survived for for sure three thousand or a thousand years. So this is what you were talking about, where uh, people were surprised that somebody actually made something with their own two hands. Uh, there's a really good, actually, ready room. Um, I don't know whether it follows this episode or whether it follows another episode. Uh, but, and they have both Adira, both um, Blue Del Barrio and Ian Alexander. I'm sorry, uh, on um, mm -hmm. on the on the ready room. And I'm really like, I really was intrigued by their story. I highly recommend that anybody who is interested in like a deepened and like broadened understanding of like 
things that are happening during this episode and on the screen and also off the screen like at this with like simultaneity mm-hmm. I highly recommend you go like watch the ready room that covers this mm-hmm. i do believe it might be this episode though i do not recommend this episode for anybody who's had a deep or recent loss oh really yeah i'm sure yeah i'm sure that's rough i can't imagine it would be still kind of hard to watch they may want to watch it and want to experience the episode and whatever triggers there are but there's definitely i figure if uh, if god places this episode in front of you that's what he wants you to see right now that's a good way to put it i really like the exposition where they're saying that like nobody knows how to make stuff based basically like intimating that no one knows how to make stuff by hand anymore mm-hmm. so for him to highlight the fact that like uh, she's made something for him through art is, is pretty, uh, pretty mm-hmm. dope um, I yeah. also okay so I'm going to take <laughs> I'm going to take a little bit of offense to one little thing here so the asteroid comes toward the window and then everybody flies away from the window mm-hmm. in the same direction as the asteroid incorrect Shouldn't they have flown toward the asteroid? In a thousand years, the the force fields are faster than they are for... Okay, so the initial dampener pushed them away. Got it. And the force fields going up to preserve the atmosphere were faster than they are in the 24th century. Sure. So we got little uh, Kryptonian droids here. Yeah, now we have... now now So the generation ship this time came from (laughs) Krypton. Because that's clearly the same droids that are in the uh, Fortress of Solitude, by the way. <laughs> Superman, bingo card, get it, strike it out. <laughs> that, like, I don't understand what, also why the droids didn't say, well, you know, you're not viable either. Like, the probability of, but I guess maybe they know how to make it work. Maybe the droids did it. I wonder from where that generation chip comes. Because there's, it has a human aboard. They already know biologically she can handle the, be a host. Yeah, apparently so. By by this point in the episode, when I saw this for the first time, I was choking up in the flag episode. This actually turned on the waterworks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This episode definitely did it for me. Like there, there was joy and there was sadness. And when this, when the little moment happens, when all the ta- all the tiles come together, and all appear and all greet Adira. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I was so blown away i was like it was fulfilling it was like that's what i've always wanted to see uniforms that we're sort of familiar with yeah yeah and like old ones and newer ones and like i was so glad to see uh, but also devastated to see gray tall because it's like oh i forgot there he is oh my gosh and i like how like everybody comes out and they stop at a certain point and gray just keeps on walking like like oh i'm back on me (laughs) (laughs) so the woman in white behind gray Uh uh-huh i want to see her face closer because the body style and the hairstyle just maybe they picked her again because they wanted to remind you of Dad. Oh, Dad Zia. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, she totally like I remember I forgot to, about that. To also. Make that yeah, yeah, I forgot about that the yeah. first time, but yeah, she totally looks like Jedzia Dex. And they could have okay, I see what you're saying. So like they could have actually put Jedzia in there <laughs> and had it like be like a whole Dax thing. But for that to make sense, like Dax would have had to be like the first or the second the second host, you know? Because she was like what the was she like the eighth host? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they if she had been like a, if she had been a much younger host, if she had been a much younger symbiont, Jetsia? then yeah, if the symbiont had been much younger, then that would have made sense mm. for this symbiont to also be Dax. That would have been dope. How many hosts do we see here? 
one, two, three. Well, it, overall, I guess. I think there are eight. Besides uh, Adira? I see six hosts, including Griffin. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Yeah, so it looks like she's the seventh host. That we know of, but of course, as we know with Dax, that there could be a hidden host. Oh, yeah, I guess there could be. A, a host that was suppressed. Like, and they would have had to suppress the host now as she's switching mm -hmm. from as she's switching from, uh, from host to host. If Esri had, like, eight or nine previous lives, if the Dax symbiote, by the time it got to Esri, had eight or nine previous lives, this symbiote is pretty young. In a manner, yeah. I mean, the circles, the circle. I imagine but, once the circle completes, the symbiont probably dies. See how it's like not quite a circle, but if they can complete the whole circle. Oh, okay, yeah. How many? How much but, larger can you make the circle? Can you back up <laughs> and make the circle a little bit larger? And then they'll be like, they'll be like time lord, time lords, and they just like kind of live forever. How much experience do you think that these these six people? How much time do you think that represents for the actual original Tal host or symbiont? Who knows? I, I would imagine at least I would imagine I would I would average each one about eighty years. And each one's going to be about twenty when they receive their their symbiote. Hmm? It is like it is. It's like breathtaking when she finally when she finally lists all of the hosts, and they're all just like have to bow to her. Like okay, okay, yeah, you yeah, you got it. <laughs> like it's incredible. Guardian Z, yeah. So his name being Z. Brings me to the belief that maybe with that name, maybe he also has a symbiont. So maybe the red side is hosted and the yellow side is not. Perhaps I don't know. Now I get what you mean by the circle. Okay. What message? He didn't give the message yet. That the trill are a gift for everyone. That the symbionts are a, are a gift for the... That okay. the symbionts are a gift for everyone, not just the trill. That's the message. And so... Okay. The symbiont as gift is what she's bringing to the Federation with the memory of... It's, well, I guess what the, it intended to be with the memory of like what happened with the burn. Like what that was all about. I could totally see the Z lady going with her and be like, "You can either stay here or I'm going with you, but I want to be your 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 master to your Padawan." So, what do you think she meant by a different joining, rejoining the Federation, or a different type of I'm rejoining sure. the Federation yeah. and allowing? I think she's talking about she's talking about joining the Federation. Harkening back to what I said at the beginning of the episode about them uh, not. Uh, they, they can use the words they can you know they can mimic the the vocabulary but they don't have the syntax and they don't have the grammar but they're 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 speaking it now they've got the grammar down now for me this is the first episode of Star Trek Discovery hmm that's a that's a pretty bold statement it sounds like you're saying that they were walking the walk before, but they weren't talking the talk. Yeah, I, I guess you could say it that way. Yeah. You know, this this had all the feels. This had all the hit all the right notes. It had 
yeah, I, I think they're, they're walking the walk now. Well, there's a definite turn that happens with Discovery, like right around now. And the, the connection to the past is there and solid and certain, but I don't think we'll be so tied down by it anymore. Because mm-hmm. just think, Discovery has been bumping up against canon all this time, but maybe this episode mm-hmm. alludes to the idea that we can move on now and we don't have to keep reminding you of how we connect to the rest. Okay. <laughs> maybe this episode mm. marks when they stop messing it up. <laughs> so you think this lullaby is uh, in-universe piece that it's written? It's not some... Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a Jeff Russo composition. So do you do you think that Bax... Do you think that Jadzia could talk to uh, Curzon? And do you think that Ezra could talk to Jadzia? No, I think this is something different happening. I think this happened because Gray was not fully integrated yet. Mm. You don't you don't think Gray was fully integrated with the symbiote? Yeah. No, I don't. And and there's a weird thing that happens with ghosts on this ship. When like the spore drive messes with them, they become something else entirely, right? <laughs> okay. Disco Engineer One, Disco Engineer Two. Well that's Earl Grey reading the credits, so I'm glad nobody's calling have you got a rating on this episode yet, uh, Orgrey? What do you think about it? It's very hard for me to give, you know, like the highest score possible. Well, I gotta tell you, I have no qualms at all about giving this episode a 10 right this second. Okay. Right, this is the best episode that I've seen so far of Star Trek Discovery. It's amazing. Well, you've seen it's it incredible. five times. I have. <laughs> but... It's just as amazing this time as it has been the other four or five times. Let me ask you another question. Can there only be one number 10? 10 level episode or? Oh, well, no, no. Can other episodes be a 10? Sure, yeah. Or can other episodes be a nine or is only one episode ever get a nine? Oh, it's a it's a it's a scale. It's not a it's not a list. Like you don't have to each one have its own individual number. Well, unless we were just ranking all the episodes in order from best to, to least. Oh, that's is that what we're that's not what we're doing. Are we doing that? Let's not do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this would be a ten for me. <laughs> you know. Okay. Is it the? Uh, only only 10 so far or uh you know i don't really recall i right. i may have given the first episode of star trek discovery a 10 okay but i don't think that scale applies here i think i'm gonna okay read each episode in and of itself without the context of all the episode, mm-hmm. other episodes mm-hmm. like i don't think i can really compare them I think for me, not a lot of episodes are able to stir me quite as this one did. You know, some of them are just kind of okay. That was nice. That was meh. But you know, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. But I'm I'm leaning towards an eleven. These don't go to eleven. This one goes to eleven. These go to eleven. Well, okay, I'll take it. I guess that's our first. Off the scale rating from Star Trek Discovery so far, now here in year <laughs> three at the Forget Me Not reboot of the series. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll 
I'll take it. I think that's a great decision on your part, and I back you up 100%. I'm not, I'm not with you, but <laughs> I'm right here behind you with my tent. But, you know, more power to you. I hope you'll stand ten toes down on that. Well, you're coming from, from the perspective of seeing the whole season already, and you're looking at it with uh, hindsight being 20. Yeah, you know, I still back you up on the, the, the 11. Okay. I, I mean, I guess... <laughs> some time has passed i mean i'm still this episode is still way up there with a lot of them but like for example like at the end of last season like i would give this the visual effects of that episode an 11 okay. but i would not necessarily give the story there so like i'd give the visual effects on this episode an eight they're really really good but they're not the end of season two mm. so that brings us to the end of star trek discovery season three episode four forgive me not Thanks for listening to it, guys. Thanks for sticking with us through all the audio issues. And uh, say goodnight, Earl. Goodnight, Earl. Goodnight, Jack. Support the continued <laughs> making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.